0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Season 1 of the TV version of Building the Future is now streaming online at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rebecca from BAM Communications. Rebecca, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, guys. Appreciate being here. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I I think what you guys are doing is is quite interesting. Um, You yourself have quite the the career. But maybe before we kind of get into that, let's get to know you a little bit Mm -hmm. better and uh, cover where you grew up. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I was born and raised in San Diego. I'm still in San Diego. It's a beautiful city and sure. I will always believe I have a footprint here although I travel now a lot to San Francisco. And in particular, I was, it was raised in the South Bay. So really Chula Vista, which is borders Mexico and Tijuana. So High school, middle school, I was public school raised the whole time through, and there were quite a few people, at least for me and my upbringing, there were quite a few people that were, of course, not all the same color and a mixture of sure. people. So really, really diverse. We had everything from Mexican Jews and just Mexican, Hispanic, Indian, Samoans. Asians of all different legacies, of course, white people, I'm white. So mm-hmm. I always had that upbringing. So just in context to the current conversation of just the racial tension the country is having, it's interesting from the California perspective, at least in my upbringing, it's like that's all I ever knew. Sure. So it's, it's a weird thing to see. Anyway, that was my upbringing, public school the whole time. And then I went to UCLA, just pretty much up to five to sure. the LA area and I did a very fast undergrad so I got out of there in about 2 years and then went over to do my MBA over at University of Pittsburgh. Okay. And so I went Pittsburgh. to Yeah, so the story is that when I was 19, I was applying for business school which at the time was unheard of. I mean there was no teenager applying to go pretty much to middle school, or middle school, to MBA school. And so I basically looked at a top 50 list from USA News, News Report, whatever that was, and just applied to the schools that had any percentage of applicants straight out of undergrad. Typically, most schools require that you have a number of years post-grad, full-time, experience. So uh, all the top schools. Now it's changed in recent years, but it was pretty on my guard to go straight from undergrad even having half of the undergrad experience into business school. But I figured, you know what? I'm going to try. If I get in, I'm going to go. And yeah, that's I awesome. got to University of Pittsburgh. And so I went. I finished that up early and then I returned to San Diego and started doing the first part of kind of my career was which was in the TV realm.
0: Okay. So what did you do in TV? Mm-hmm.
1: And before I got back to San Diego, I had at that point some experience doing mm-hmm. some internships, some, some little producing work on various TV shows. Okay. So one for the PBS affiliate over in Pittsburgh, another here locally in San Diego. When I came back, I was a part-time producer for the NBC affiliate here. And I wanted to do my own TV show, hosting and interviewing entrepreneurs, kind of like what you're doing, but in, sure. in visual format. And this was before Shark Tank and before The Apprentice and before people knew like, oh, you can be an entrepreneur or a CEO of a, of a public company. It wasn't, it wasn't really in the, the common lexicon at the time of people thinking about this as a career path. Sure. Anyway, so I launched a show. I had it running on the local CW affiliate. then I w- It was on the Fox affiliate, and I was having a great time well, interviewing awesome people like Ralph Rubio from, you know, Rubio's, and like, sure. hey, how'd you come up with the fish taco concept? And how did you <laughs> build it into a company that eventually went public? And, you know, and then what happened after that? Because it didn't go well. So just hearing the real true story, kind of an Oprah approach to the business landscape with people, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And then also, at the same time, I had met up with, also in San Diego, a PR guru who at the time had a, a small, medium-sized firm, but whom I would work on the show with in his office. And although I never did any PR work for him in particular, I was just around his office. So just kind of via osmosis, I started picking up on some things. And the truth of the matter is public relations is about storytelling and crafting the right stories. I love stories, so I'm always about storytelling. But just like being perhaps a VC, if you have money and you have a phone, you can be a VC right now. Sure. Same approach in PR. If you have a cell phone and you have a laptop, you can also be a publicist. There's no requirements like practicing law or medicine. You can just go. So I just was like, oh, I'm going to be in PR and I'm going to start a firm. And here it is. And that's how it all started. And at I first, frankly, yeah. I mean, straight, I mean, no clue, no clue, uh, no agency experience. A lot of times you see people who start their own agencies having come out of big, huge agencies where they really got their chops, but no, I was coming out very green. So first couple of years was really about the local market and knowing deeply the restaurant scene that was really emerging in San Diego, local stuff, just really, you know, who wanted local coverage. Sure. Now we don't do anything local. We focus explicitly on National press, gaining national business and tech press for all types of clients all over the world. Many in San Francisco, LA, spread across the country and the world. Sure. And that's what our focus is now.
0: Okay, no, that that's awesome. So, how did you make that transition though, from kind of doing local stuff to doing kind of national kind of? Because it sounds like you almost changed your business a bit, going from restaurants to kind of tech and just spreading mm-hmm. outside of California.
1: Yeah, it was at first a slow transition. And a lot of times that will happen for companies where you're like, okay, here's here's all – we're servicing all this all this stuff, all these different protocols, all these different markets. But really what you eventually come to decide is to hone in on what is the real niche you want to nail.
2: Gotcha. So
1: there are firms that are generalists. I was just on the phone with someone today who's been practicing 25-something years, and they're a generalist. Like they have everything from consumer – stuff to political campaigns and nonprofits, I mean, all over the board, that is hard that and that's just a shotgun approach. So if you really want to get your firm somewhere, at least in the publicity realm, you need to stick a niche. And it was just natural for me to get into tech and innovation, one, because of just my interest. But two, I have so many friends surrounded in that thing. I have, you know, many friends that are doing something that has some element of technology imperative to the success of the company or the brand. And it was just natural to start really seizing that.
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And to be Mm -hmm. fair, like, obviously, you're pretty close to Silicon Valley. And L.A. has a Mm -hmm. huge tech scene now. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. really big name companies, you know, obviously in mm-hmm. LA, right? And up and coming. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense. Yeah. So I'm, Exactly. I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious what do you guys kind of offer your clients from a service mm-hmm. kind of PR side of things?
1: Sure. Our focus is pretty niche, and that is we do two 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 focuses of the client And then the service. The service is about media relations. So what in the realm of media relations do we specifically do? It pretty much is how do we get our client as much editorial earned media coverage? In other words, we're not paying the Wall Street Journal. We're not sending a check to Fortune Magazine. It's our efforts from pitching good stories that warrant and get the coverage for the client. So editorial media coverage, biggest thing. Now, touching the same realm of that, though, is... Many other things that we will get involved with. It might be messaging. It's media training to make sure they don't mess up their interviews with the media. Sure. It's maybe some brand consulting. But what we don't do is what you see in other firms, which are like, "Hey, we do thirty-nine things. You know, we're going to do your Facebook ads, and we're going to design your website, and we'll test your app, and we'll do your PR, and we'll do your SEO, and sure. your SEM." It's you know, on on and on. That is a typically losing equation because it's very difficult to do 39 things very well. It's often that you do a few things very well, but no one's going to tell you as from the, from the company what you are excellent at and what you're maybe subpar at. So our focus is really on the media relations realm, and that's it. Then on the client side, it's now staunchly focused on innovative, mind-blowing, as we like to say, brands and companies who are pushing the envelope in their vertical so it might not be something that the average consumer would recognize and go wow what a great huge company i mean it it might not be that but for their vertical space whether that's in medical transportation or medical device of some type of imaging technology or consumer hardware that is particular to the robotics industry that's the stuff that we will get involved with and we ask the question is this client, is this brand likely to be a leader, a dominant leader in their space? They're probably not right now because that's why they're coming up. Sure. But can we see that potential? Can it legitimately get there? And if the answer is yes, from all our research and due diligence and such, then we will proceed from there.
0: I got you. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious then... You mentioned kind of getting your clients into these big kind of publications without spending tons of money on that. Uh And I get that it's probably different based on kind of who the client and who you're trying to like pitch or the company that you're, you know, writing about. But what's kind of generally the tactic that you take to get into these publications, do you usually have to know somebody there? Does it help to know somebody there? Or is there ways that you can kind of write or do research to write articles that will kind of get into these big publications to get them press?
1: A variety of taxes, tactics, to tell you the truth, Kevin. So one okay. is, yeah, who do we know? Whom have we worked with before? Who's going to open our email, take our call, and so forth? Because it is relationship building. Sure. The second part of that, though, is how compelling can you make that story? So sometimes you really need to go after a real niche, particular writer, editor, and such, whom is con, who is currently talking about the certain vertical or industry or trend that's emerging in a certain realm of technology. Okay, so how do you pitch up that great story that they're going to go, oh, absolutely, I have to talk to you. So it's that tactic. And and then also it's the tactic of making sure you do your research very well on whom you are contacting. And I talk about this at some lunch and learns that I do at accelerators and such. If you want to DIY your own PR, it is doable. It's going to take you a long time, number one. But number two you can do it and it really starts with research don't go after a hundred random tech editors that you just pulled from some list that you got your hands on you instead need to drill down and say okay let me go after 15 writers or editors okay the producers here I've, i've done my research i've looked and seen what they have written about or done coverage on And you know what? That has a very close overlay to what I'm doing, what our brand's about. So this is probably going to be someone that's interested in our stuff. So then you can set an email up and and hit that to them. They're more likely to respond to that because clearly you're in the realm of what they're currently talking about. The worst is when you're sending media a pitch that has nothing to do with the beat or topic that they currently cover. But because you saw that they are a technology writer at Time Magazine, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, they're, a technology writer could be, no, they just talk about semiconductors. Sure. There's really niche focuses of certain writers and editors. So you can't just blast it out and hope that, oh, well, it's something to do with technology and hence all the people who have technology in their name are going to be interested. It starts with the
2: research.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing that I find, because I get, sometimes I get those emails, like people want to be on the show. Or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're too long, if they're more than a paragraph, I don't even read them. To be hundred percent honest, you don't have I don't time have, have that. time. you don't right? have time for And and I think that's kind of one one of the reasons I kind of wanted to have you on the show is because I, I love your tradition or sorry, your non traditional mm-hmm. approach where you didn't work at a big agency, right? So you come at it nope. with a different angle, <laughs> right? And I think I'm I'm founder first, yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's important because i think there's a lot of people out there whether it's in the pr space or or not that you know nowadays you don't need to have worked at this big name agency to actually start your own company and do things different and i think you know Uh. and you kind of have to figure it out yourself and i i love that about you and you know you you guys have done some really cool things for some really big names and like you mentioned you you have you've gotten your clients in these like really well-known kind of publications across the nation, right? And obviously that's that's super impressive, and a lot of people are looking to do that, especially from the startup side of things.
2: hmm
1: Yes. Yeah, so you typically see publicist first, business owner second in this industry, i.e. it's someone who has been doing publicity for a long time. They have contacts. They know people, this and that, and then they – end up opening their own shop and then they discover, oh my gosh, now I'm a business owner and I have to deal with HR and taxes and all the fun stuff that comes with that. I'm the founder first, the entrepreneur first, who's like, huh, let me hack this business. And it happens to be in PR, it happens to be in the PR business. So, quite untraditional, but many of the folks that we work with are founders, sometimes multi-exited founders, and they appreciate that different approach.
0: Sure, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe let's get back to. I just kind of want like you. you mentioned you kind of do these lunch and learns for founders, maybe mm-hmm. when they're first starting out and looking to maybe maybe they can't afford to hire like somebody like you guys. What do you kind of traditionally mm-hmm. tell them to start before they kind of you know grow to a size and kind of start generating some revenue where they can ha- uh, hire somebody like you guys?
1: Hmm. I have a particular article okay. on this topic. About why not to hire a PR firm, <laughs> okay,
0: okay, because
1: there's many reasons why you you don't want to get into this situation of of trying to hack it yourself or even pushing along your company when really you're not really ready for some exposure. So here are some questions to ask yourself okay. when you're thinking, "Oh, is now the time to be thinking about you know starting a PR firm?" Number one, is your market very clearly defined? Okay. Do you know very specifically whom you're after? Because if you're still on shotgun mode, that's, how are you going to know if you're getting the right placements and where? How, how are you, what's the appropriate outlets for you to be in? So is your market well defined? Do you have your brand all buttoned up? In other words, are you changing your logo soon? or did you just release all your branding material? Is that now it? Are you changing your name? Is it, is it clear what your core values are? If that's still up in the air, you don't want to shoot your foot getting your name out there about, about your company and the direction and all that stuff and then come to find out six months later, whoops, do you actually want to rebrand? you want to change things and this and that? That's confusing because now you've maybe gotten some traction in the media, but it was more or less a bit of a waste because you're totally something different now. I'm not talking about pivoting. I'm not talking about, oh, okay. We found out some information and we're going this direction. I'm talking about real fundamentals of your name, your logo, your brand, the core values, the mission. Like if that's still on shaky ground, no, not appropriate to go after the, the PR stuff. So those are two things. One is about the market. And then two is the brand and the value and the mission that you have. The other thing is to consider, especially if you're more in a B2B vertical, is do you have people to offer the media in that you have clients and customers? So too often we see folks who want to launch PR, but, you know, they're just barely launching. So we don't know any customers. We don't have any case studies. There's nothing really to talk about other than you now exist. That's the news. You now exist. Right. Okay. Well, there's a shelf life to that, though. Yes. Okay. Maybe you got a bunch of funding. You can write on that, but there should be other things to support an ongoing narrative about your brand. So if you're wanting to push a PR campaign and then are going to go into a stealth mode of some sort for 18 months, well, what is the point of that then? What's the point of that? So have a point, but more importantly, to the third point is, do you have it clear of, do you have people and stories and case studies and such to talk about? Right. Because that's going to help the media. The most common thing we'll hear from editors and writers, is if we're pitching a story concept, so we're not just pitching, oh, the company exists. We're pitching now beyond that. Is oh yeah, so well, what metrics do you have around that? Do you have some client? Do you have some client case studies? Do you have people who will talk to us? Yeah, this is the media people talking. So if that's all, like yeah, no, we really yep, no. Uh, now what do we have? a story that you just talk about yourself in? That's not a story. Sure. That's not sure. going to go anywhere. So that's something really to consider. It is much better to wait, wait until you have a lot of things lined up and then go out with a bam, (laughs) bam, Uh then go out with a big splash, right, to a lot of media outlets because you have all these various things to talk about and focus on. That's more compelling and that's going to put you on a track for long-term continuous press versus a big explosion and then nothing and now you've gone into the abyss.
0: Sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, I, and I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, but like, how do you generate ideas for the media and kind of getting publicity? And like, at, from the startup side of things, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I, I'm sure a lot of people think, well, we're, we're launching this new feature. And it's like, well, that's not really a story.
1: No one cares. Yeah, exactly. No one cares.
0: It's like, thanks, right? Features,
1: painting your walls. Getting a dog in the office, no one cares. Okay. No one cares. So part of our job is telling the client, hey, no one's going to care about that. Whom in media is going to care? No one in the Wall Street Journal is going to care about that insignificant piece of news. But our job is to say, okay, what can we attach you onto on a trend? So here are some tips for how you get leverage the media other than if you just have the story. Yeah, Yeah, we exist. Okay. Are you in trend with something. For example, are you doing something in the on-demand transportation space? Sure. Okay, that's kind of a, 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 a interesting area because you have Uber and Lyft battling it out. There's constantly stuff about that discussion and what about autonomous driving and et cetera and so forth. Okay. Then attach yourself into stories and pieces that are being written on that vertical. Where can you fit into what a trend is happening? And you attach yourself to the bigger trend of it. So the story is really like, oh, this is a trend that's happening. Okay. Attaching yourself onto them saying, okay, hey, editor, writer, person, we're doing this as a solution for this trend. This trend is really happening and continuing. Hey, here's what we are about. For example, I had a potential client call us yesterday. They are involved with SpaceX, and SpaceX awesome. just yesterday. Completed another successful, no blow-ups, mm-hmm. ride into space to attach to the space center. Okay, great. Clearly, that is in a in enveloped in a bigger story about space exploration, but space transportation of materials that are actually effective and easy to get up to space, and not cost and not an exorbitant cost. So it's not necessarily the pitching of the company that is attached to this whole nuance of of the space launch it's about the space launch that's the real story so the right editor writer to go to there is like okay who's covering space and the trend of getting materials and people and resources into space effectively and and quickly nowadays that we've never dreamed about you know two three decades ago that's the story oh here's a company that's supporting that they do this there you go so tying yourself into a trend that's what you need to focus on the second thing is, and we've done this a number of times, is if you have a base of customers, now you need a lot, but here's something to think about. Can you leverage or pull or use your customers? Because it's much more helpful to come from the human element of, well, what are actual people doing and saying, then, oh, here's this company and this is what we're doing. For example, about a year ago, we had a company, to Go Game, that Go Game that does a lot of team building okay. for all types of companies, big Fortune 500 companies, LinkedIn and Facebook and the Googles of the world and so forth in Salesforce. And we said, great, okay, you have hundreds of these contacts, HR professionals that have, that have been your clients, that have signed up you guys to help them with their team building for various reasons. Okay, great. We have that database in place? Yes. Okay, let's pull those people and see what we can find from all these HR professionals. Why are they doing this team building? What do they not stand about team building? Who likes team building? So we broke up in a survey, you know, the marketing people, guess what, tend to like doing more of the team outgoing stuff than the engineering department. What about the (laughs) age bracket? I I know. Well, like, what about the age brackets? Like, how does it, between Gen Xers or, you know, millennials and baby boomers, how does that pan out? What are the most common things that they gain from doing this? So we deployed this pretty elaborate survey that they got really hundreds of responses from, from these HR pros. We wrapped it up into an infographic. We crunched the data. The founder happened to be like a statistician on the side. It was perfect. So we were able to really have a nice mathematical data-driven piece of information to dangle out to media. And we got that in Forbes and Fast Company and a couple other outlets that were talking about the trend overall of team building based on the on the findings of their survey. So. Yes, they are mentioned and featured in all these pieces because they were the ones who drove the survey stuff, but it was not it was not on its front a story about the Go Games and how great and wonderful this company is. It wasn't that. It was embedded secondarily into it because they were able to find this information from their customers. So that's the second point, is think how you can leverage and use the customers that you have, whether that's looking at the data, whether that's surveying them, whether that's having them submit you know, photos, case studies, etc. to you, that's what you want to do.
0: And, and the other thing too is it promotes them too, right? So they're more probably yes, willing exactly. to, to work almost like in, in a partnership for that post is lack of a better term, I guess. But that, mm-hmm. but that makes a lot of sense, right? Because nobody really wants the like hard sell on your business, but if you start adding no. really good content and value, eventually people will be like, well, who is this company or like what do they actually do right and they might end up turning into a customer or who knows right mhm yeah it, correct
1: it, yeah it's and inter- that's positioning for thought leadership okay that's what many brands want is that how are you being seen as the leader in your space in that case with the go games they want to be perceived as the leader in doing fun engaging tech driven team building that's not your everyday Typical team building which like no one wants to show up for right sure. This is something that puts them in that realm Oh look at these guys. They came out with a survey a study that survey, That found all this interesting stuff from hundreds of HR people. Oh, that's that's pretty significant
0: Yeah, no, no totally that makes makes a lot of sense. So how do mm. you work with clients then to actually? make them kind of thought leaders in their industry like you mentioned You know, obviously you're doing research and you're writing articles and stuff, but is there other things that you can do to kind of get your clients to be thought leaders in their industry?
1: The hard part with being a thought leader is if you have just started out, you're not a thought leader. Okay. You are are hardly on the map. So we combat the thought leadership notion sometimes with clients. We're like, you guys, we have nothing yet to show so this is something for kind of later stage more mature companies where you have some data, you have some customers, you know what you're doing. Sure. That's something then that you can position for. If you were just launching, you need to focus on you need to focus on staying alive and being launched and having interest in, in that and what you're doing. So it's not yet on thought leadership. That's the later stage.
0: Sure. No, I I think that's really good advice because I've heard from Earth. so many people, or they've get they get told by so many people that they need to be like a thought leader. And it's like, well, my company's mm. only been around for six months. How can I be a thought yeah, leader? Yeah, you have something? no thought. Yeah, exactly. You have no
1: thought. Your thought is staying alive. That's true. Sure.
0: And I think that's really good advice, right? Because it's the startup thing is so so interesting and it's not like any other kind of business space. And that that's always kind of fascinated me and you know, I'm obviously in the startup space, so I, I understand that. But it's it's such a weird kind of thing that in a lot of cases, startups don't really work like real businesses in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. Which, so
2: true. Which <laughs> has blown my
0: mind, right? And you you guys do a lot of stuff in the Valley. And so you must see that all the mm-hmm. time that people want to be or think they're well ahead of where they really are in the business space.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's a disease. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a disease, but it's okay. I mean, visionaries are half crazy. It's just you have, you to, have be. to be.
2: Yeah, fair. you have
1: to be. It's just part of the territory. It's totally fine.
0: So, uh, I'm I'm curious though. You guys have a ton of really good posts on your blog, and for for people listening, it's bamcommunications.biz. And there's a Mm -hmm. blog tab you guys have tons of really good articles and advice for kind of anybody that's looking to kind of get in the space is already doing stuff in the space or kind of looking to go to kind of the next level of the space but the one thing that I get asked all the time and I really don't know Mm -hmm. how to tell people is how do people effectively kind of or put out a press kit or what should they kind of have on their site or be sending mm, to mm-hmm. kind of media, you know, to get some coverage, right?
2: Mm hmm. You
1: can do a press kit that ideally is just digital, can be downloaded easily, has okay. your logo, has photos that are not just the typical headshots of the co founders, but something more fun, something that is product. Do not skimp on the photography, by okay. the way. Make sure that's agree. crisp and clean and absolutely professional because no one wants to use shoddy photos if they're going to be even attaching that to one of their stories. So the press kit, make it digital. Yes, you can keep it online. Much better, typically, though, is to have a, for press inquiries, contact you know, press at com then you can control and vet whom is asking for this material. You don't need to have your logo and your photos and your press releases and info sheets all there up, up, up online publicly. That can be just something that you can vet. So probably better is to have a contact email that specifically is dedicated to press inquiries. And within that press kit that you can have in, in a digital, you can do it as a Dropbox folder, sure. you know, your photos, your fact sheet, your product specs if that's appropriate, great, wonderful photography, whether that's the founders, the product, the screenshots, if it's an app, something like that. And maybe a few press releases if if you have that organized. If not, that's okay. But have it all organized and bundled up into one place, i.e. a Dropbox folder, so you can easily send a link and it's done. It's not, oh, well, I need this, or can I get that, or something like that. So we ask all of our clients, like, hey, share us on your Google Drive or your Dropbox on on all your material. So, great. We have access immediately to everything and we don't need to ask for this or that, or do you see it, do you have it. No, no one wants that. Just put it all together in one, organized.
0: Okay. No, that I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's really good advice. So I'm kind of curious then, at what point in a company's kind of life do you guys kind of take over their PR? Whether they're just starting out or, you know, they've been doing it for a while. Where do you guys kind of come in? Like if somebody wants to hire BAM Communications?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It does depend. So okay. it can be prior to launch. Okay. So you're a few months out that you honestly really know. That you know a launch is going to happen, you want some launch press. So a few months out okay. is where we can come
0: in. So do you we guys can help come with, like, in, though, Kickstarter or uh, any of those kind of stuff as well, or or not really?
1: With crowdfunding projects?
0: Yeah. Do
1: you... Yes, we do. Okay. But the thing for us is that we do not do short term, thirty day, sixty day, quote unquote projects. We gotcha. do six month plus campaigns. Okay. For us having PR is like having your finance department or the people who run the numbers. I mean, you would not exist without that. Okay. So same thing, obviously we're biased because of course we're positioning PR, but you yeah, have PR is an aspect of the continuation of your business. It's just what you do. And in essence, what is public relations? It's about keeping your publics informed and in the know about what you were doing and why. So the public can be anything that can be, internal communication with your employees, if you have thousands of employees. That can be, of course, media. So that's in the realm of media relations that we are really focused on. That can be constituents. It can be people who are lobbyists. It can be various different demographics of who you talk to. So overall, PR is about how you communicate with everybody that is important to your company. That's a big thing. That is never going away, just like bookkeeping is never going away. So that is essential. Thus, after launch... We come in on board for a variety of different reasons. It could be during now, you, you know, you're getting ready for an acquisition or you're raising more money. That's another typical thing. We have some right. interesting research coming out about that. It can be, hey, we've been around and we've been successful for X plus years and no one really knows that. We need to, we need to tout that. We need to hire more people. We want to attract talent. So it can be all those various different things. What is a dead stop for us is anyone who says, yeah, well, we've been around and, yeah, we're not, we're not that special. I mean, we kind of do whatever else everybody else does. Nah, yeah, But that's usually not in startups and technology-focused sure. companies, companies who are naturally startups and technology focused want to do something radical with the technology and the resources that they're deploying on a certain industry. So we don't hear that too often. But it'd be the equivalent of like a plumber coming to us and saying like, yeah, I'm a plumber. You know, just like 9,000 other local plumbers you can hire
0: sure. today. Sure, sure.
1: What are we gonna do for that plumber? That would be really hard.
0: No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, think, I think that's really good advice. So I, I'm curious then, when you guys are looking to hire somebody to work at BAM, what do you guys look for in somebody that you're looking to hire
1: oh yes that's a great question because <laughs> we have people come to us all I can the time so one yes it is the experience do you have the contacts and the resources and the experience of working with startups understanding the founder mentality, understanding the media outlets that they want to be in. We would not take on typically someone who comes straight from the hospitality industry, for example, who maybe has great contacts at Travel and Leisure and Condé Nast Traveler, but that's not going to have any crossover for us. Now, they do know the mechanics of doing publicity, and that's helpful, but really the best fit for us is someone who understands technology, has the contacts, and has the experience of working with a wide array of startups that's a, that's a particular person to find then the second thing and you could even argue that this is the bigger thing is it's really a fit culturally gotcha. do these people see eye to eye and validate the the core values that we have in themselves can we see for example that they push themselves and the people around them push is one of our core values are they positive that's another one of our core values are they just naturally a pleasure to be around. I mean, there's hard things that go on in in every agency, but overall, is this person a nice person that you want to be around or are they just negative Nancy where they're just like a cloud following them around all the time? No one wants to be around that. So we look for all those things. It's the cultural fit. And then assuming we have the experience lined up and then we have all those cultural lineup fit, then that's going to be someone who's going to be successful at BAM.
0: I got you. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I'm curious then, you, you, you've touched on this a couple of times about kind of contacts and knowing people in the industry, mm-hmm. especially maybe at big kind of companies. Do you have any tips for people about how to make those connections at, you know, these big kind of, you know, media outlets or magazines or publications?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is as simple as a warm turf.
2: Okay. email
1: or tweet that you could send them private message to introduce yourself. So if it comes from the founder, that's great. Say, I'm so-and-so. I'm the founder of X. I realize that you, so-and-so, cover the technology that X is trying to work on. Sure. Hey, maybe we'd be a great fit for you to look into more. We might have a great story for you to uncover I'd love to set up some time to chat or send you more information. Very short and sweet, really short and sweet. That's it. But the key of having success with that is that you need to do your great, good research to understand that you're talking to a media person who is covering the space that you are functioning in.
0: Okay. And even like, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I I think I wanted to kind of just stress that to people as I think, and I meet some people too, doing the show that they're just scared to reach out to somebody. It's like, it's just one tweet. Like It's it, just
1: it, one person.
0: Right? Do it, oh my gosh. Do it a hundred times, right? And maybe you'll hear back from five of them. Maybe. Hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully you'll hear back from one, Exactly. Right? It's like...
1: Exactly. I mean, this advice like so typically isn't even that hard for founders to go after because they're normally, they're just naturally hustlers. It's not a big deal. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to pitch that person. Sure. So it's just a different type of pitch. It's not to a VC. It's instead to a immediate person. But both of them are called pitches, interestingly enough. So consider it a pitch. You're pitching them something, but if you've done your research, you're gonna feel pretty confident that you know you have something that they'd be at least interested in a conversation of.
0: Sure. So I'm 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 curious, and I've heard this from a few people, and I'm curious to know your stance on this, is if you have, I don't know, say 10 publications that you want press in, and Mm -hmm. do you say, well, I'm going to start with I'm going to start working on my pitch and I'm going to start sending it to the publication that I least want to be in. Just so by the time you get to kind of a top maybe 2-3 mm. publications, you've figured out kind of what's working, what's not working. Do you recommend kind mm-hmm. of something along that or some sort of tactic along kind of testing the waters and, you know, almost a little AB testing?
2: Yes,
1: that would be helpful. I would also say you want to if you can and can afford it, get some media training, have someone help you in order to discuss correctly and in the way that media wants to be spoken to a bit of what they want. Now bottom line is, and just first rule of media is you're there to serve them as long as you can be as helpful and supportive to them to complete their stories you're going to be an asset. You're going to be someone they respond to. If you're just coming with them to say like, hey, wh- why are you writing about my company? Just write about my company. That's it, oh okay, but that's not serving them,
2: sure, right? Okay.
1: They're here to work and get their pieces completed as efficiently as they can because they have deadlines and they have certain content that they need to do, and that is it. So how can you be a resource for them If you come with how may I serve you first instead of let me jam down this story all about me, that you must do or I'm asking you, begging you to do, eh, that's not going to go so far. So if you have that mindset, that's going to be much more helpful in addition to get a little bit of some training so that you can be a little bit more articulate when you do get on a conversation or an interview. And yes, as you said, you can kind of start to the, the lower tier type of outlets and see how that goes. I have a chart, an XY graph that's an article that published in Fast Company that is about PR in one graph. And it has, on one side, smaller outlets, littler outlets, and on the one other side of the axis, if you think of an X axis, the bigger outlets, the longer, the the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times of the world. And then, on the opposite axis, the tone of the coverage. You want good tone, of course. You want to avoid bad tone. That's not going to be good. So, for instance where is the fairness situation? Well, it's in really bad and in really big coverage outlets right now. It's in that quadrant. That right. is that is do or die serious crisis communication quadrant. You never want to be in that quadrant. But what you can instead start with is to be in the positive tone sector, so above the horizon, and be in the smaller outlets. And then you can march yourself along and hopefully get into the bigger outlets that are on the, on the other quadrant that you want. The key thing is you want to keep the tone positive and good. You don't want to be bashed in the media, which, by the way, happens all the time. Yep. And you can kind of get your training wheels off by practicing with some of the smaller outlets to nail and make sure you get your messaging down pat and that you're communicating with the media efficiently such that your story is coming out appropriately.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's, that's really good advice, and I think the the media training thing is interesting to me because I think a lot of people have no interest or even think to do that. Have you found that?
1: No. Mm, not so commonly. I just don't think people think about it. Okay. How do I talk to the media? Have you thought about this question before? I mean, it's not something that people would naturally draw up in their own mind. It basically means how are you going to deliver the key points of your brand and why you exist to this media person who has definitely finite time and is definitely going to give you some questions that probably throw you off of that delivery. So it's about how do you duck and cover from questions? How do you curve the questions back to serving you and making sure that you're getting your point across, your position across, that you're making sure you consistently deliver all those points? in every interview you have. You you want consistency across the board with all the media about your story. If you're saying, oh, we're the next Uber and then over here it's like, no, we're we're doing we're doing, we're a fashion company. I mean that's a horrible example, but that's like, huh? that. that doesn't that doesn't even that doesn't even make sense. So you need to be clear and crisp and organized. That goes back again to my first point of do you have your branding, your logo, your mission, your values all set and ready and set in stone good to go. Because if that's wavering, then you're going to waver in the media, and now you're going to have a big bunch of inconsistency, and now no one knows what the heck you're doing.
0: Rebecca, I love it. Thanks yes. for taking the time to there be on go. the show today. But I think we you should close, welcome, Kevin. We should close yeah. with promoting where people can find you guys online, and definitely sure. check out your blog, because I, I was reading a bunch of the articles. I found them very useful, and I think other people would as well. So... I'll let you uh, kind of end it with where people can find you online, but I thought I would mention your blog again.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it. Yes, you can just find us at bamcommunications.biz. So that's B-A-M, communications, all spelled out with an S on the end, dot biz, B-I-Z.
0: Perfect. Well, there you go. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, especially before you're going on vacation to be on the show. Oh, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, uh, enjoy your vacation, and I look forward to Thanks, keeping in touch Kevin. with you. And we'll talk soon. Sounds
1: good. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them for the future.